Hello friends and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Shenanigans podcast where we review the games we've been playing and discuss board game related topics. My name is Bob. And I'm Natasha. In today's episode we are going to be reviewing Three Sisters and comparing it to Fleet the Dice Game. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be doing something a little bit special over the next few weeks as far as our discussion topics. The, the month of May is Mental Health Awareness Month and as somebody who has anxiety I think it's important to discuss mental health. And I also think board games can have a ton of positive mental health benefits. So we happen to be lucky enough that we're going to have several people coming over the next few weeks who both work in mental health and use board games in their work. This week, we're going to have Shayna on, which is going to be really exciting. So after the break, we're going to have an interview with her. But first, let's talk about some games. Yeah. So I just played the Three Sisters, and I thought I would talk about that. But before I talked about it, I wanted to go back. And talk about Fleet the Dice Game. Because they're the same designers, there's a lot of similarities there. Yep. So Fleet the Dice Game is a roll and write game. It's designed by Ben Pinchback and Matt Riddle. The art is by Nolan Nasser. It's published by Eagle Griffin Games. So in this game, players are launching boats, catching as many fish as possible, collecting coins, constructing buildings at the wharf, and visiting the harbor. Players do all this by drafting dice over 10 rounds. There are four phases to this game. The first phase is the boat phase. That's where you're going to roll the boat dice. You roll the dice and then select die and turn order and mark the corresponding box on your score sheet. These dice often allow you to launch a boat, which helps you catch more fish, or activate a license, which gives you a special ability or action. Next is the income phase. Each player gains one coin. Money is helpful because every few coins you collect, you can gain a star, which gives you a free wild check on whatever you want throughout the game you can increase your income so you can earn more than one coin then there's the fishing phase where all launched boats collect fish Um, this happens only every other round then there's the town phase where you have another set of dice that you roll you select a die in turn order again and mark the corresponding box on your score sheet these spaces often give you a bonus throughout the game or end game scoring in the town and boat phase you also you'll always use two dice the first dice you select, and then the lone remaining dice that nobody chooses, then all the players will simultaneously use that at the end of each of those phases. What makes this game so fun is it's the classic roll and write combos you pull off. Every other turn, you're collecting coins that give you a bonus check, which can lead to other fun actions, like one harbor action allows you to go fishing again, and you're just constantly chaining up all these bonuses. Yeah, there's definitely combo-tastic turns in this game mm-hmm. where you collect income, then you get a star. So then you place it on something else, which gives you another three coins, which gives you another star. Then you place it in this thing, and mm-hmm. then you you do all these chain reactions, which are really cool. It's just a roll and write, though. What? I mean... It's not just a roll and write. This is a two-page roll and write. You get two pages. Yeah, so does Hadrian's Wall. That's a heavy roll. And write. That is it. This is true. You do get two pages. That I it's not, cannot. It's not as heavy as Hadrian's Wall. No, it's not. I, but it's not as light as like Gong Shan Clever. It's kind of in the middle there. I do like the decision space because you draft a die and then whatever's left over, everyone gets. Mm-hmm. So if you're the last person, you can say, "All right, what do I want to take?" Because I know I'm going to get the I'm going to get the last two results. But which one do I only want to get? Mm-hmm. So I do think there's interesting decisions to be had in mm-hmm. this particular game. Yeah, and the way you launch your boats, like the decisions you make, and what boat boats have special abilities, and then the license have special abilities. So like one boat gives you an extra star every time you go fishing. Another boat 
or another license lets you use this one face as a wild every time. It's really fun. I think it's just everything you get feels so good. It's like, oh, I get this. Oh, I get this. Oh, I get this. Like there's no like disappointing actions at all in this game. It's 100%. Like, ooh, 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 more. Ooh, there's more. Ooh, I get more. Yeah, sure. Oh my gosh. I'm just like floored. You don't love this game. It's Yeah, I mean, it's a rolling right. It's fine. <laughs> I love it. I think this is one of the best rolling rights. If you made a top 10 rolling right list, would this be right up there? I think it's highest on my top 100. It was. We'll see what we think about Three Sisters. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. No, it's, yeah, I think it's fine. I feel as though most of the time when somebody presents with me with a rolling right, I'm instantly knocking off points because it's a rolling right. Why? It, I, I can't give you a valid reason except the fact that. You it, don't like fun? I do not like fun. That is 100% true. The one thing, whenever I go to game night, I say to myself, Bob, no fun today. See, that's perfect. Then. Yeah. You play your D&D, you have no fun. <laughs> that's a low blow. Uh, valid. No, but yes, I do like the combos that you can pull in this game. Mm-hmm. The fact that you're going down these tracks, you can specialize in specific types of fish. Like maybe I'm always doing shrimp, so I'm a shrimp boater. Mm-hmm. But you want to diversify enough that you're getting licenses and boats and all the other ones. Mm-hmm. So I I do like that. I do like the combos that you can pull. It feels good getting a bunch of extra check boxes mm-hmm. and being able to fill in those different spots. I think that's fun. And d- drafting, I do like drafting dice, so that's naturally going to be you know, a positive for it. You get two sets of dice. There's obviously the fish dice in the beginning and then there's the uh, town dice. There's the town dice, yeah, where you can go to the the harbor or the wharf. You can get coins. You can sell your fish for coins. You don't sell them. You don't get rid of them. But as much fish as you have, you get coins for it. Yeah, that's nice too that you don't actually get rid of anything. Mm Mm-hmm. It's you just, all, you just accumulates on top of each other. It's a quick game. You can play in about 45 minutes, which is longer for a roll and write, I think. But it's a pretty meaty game for what you get. It's quick, but it, there's a lot of decisions to be had. And there's just so much reward. It's like reward, 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 reward. I just love it. It just satisfies like every part of my brain. Like, ooh, 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 throughout the whole time. Yeah, I, can, I mean. I love it. You need to try it. That's Fleet the Dice game. I would rate this game a 9 out of 10. I like it that much. A 9 out of 10. Mm-hmm. Dang, that's high. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's a roll and write, I will give it 7 out of 10. Like you gave it more because you're like, okay, I, I know I don't like it that much because it's a roll and write. Or you're like you're like comparing like 7 out of 10 for a roll and write. Because that's a pretty good score, 7 out of 10. Yeah. 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 If it was an, if in the roll and write category, a 7 out of 10 is probably pretty high. No, to I crap on rolling rights a lot just because it feels easy and there's so many that come out mm-hmm. you know there was this surge of rolling rights that just got exhausting no didn't get exhausting it did it for was me exhilarating <sighs> Jeez. no i disagree completely but they, there's just so many that came out that it became overloaded and it felt like they were starting to become unoriginal the fleet the dice game is good i will give you that i think it's a good implementation of a rolling right I enjoy the drafting aspects of it. I do enjoy the combos that you can pull. I think that's cool. I do like the fact that you can get licenses of boats and then you can decide, do I want a special power or do I want another boat? There's a lot of good decisions to be made. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good game. Um, maybe a, my rating is 7 out of 10 is only because it's a roll and write. Bias, I guess. But yeah, no, it was good. Well, I'd recommend giving this game a try if you like roll and writes and, you, and you're looking for something a little bit more meaty. 
you know, or maybe you're like not too keen into roll and writes, but maybe willing to try this one, this would be a good one just because there's just so much, um, a little bit more choices to it than a typical one. I would agree with that. That was Fleet the Dice Game. Next up, let's talk about Three Sisters. So this is also a roll and write, again, designed by Ben Pinchback and Matt Riddle. This art is by Marlies Behrens and Beth Sorbel. It's published by Motor City Gameworks. So in this game, players are growing a backyard garden and taking occasional trips to the farmer's market. The name Three Sisters is actually a gardening technique used by indigenous peoples to grow a trio of crops, beans, corn, and squash. Corn provides a lattice for the beans to climb. The beans bring nitrogen from the air into the soil, and the squash provides a natural mulch ground cover to reduce weeds and keep pests away. Your garden will also contain perennials, an orchard, and a beehive. You will need to fill your shed with helpful tools and collect compost to grow the best garden in town. So players do all this by drafting dice. The pit value is for the garden action and corresponds to a different garden zone. In that zone, you can plant any two crops by filling in the bottom box of the crop, or you can water that region and all the plants that have already been planted grow up one. Every corn is four boxes high and you only score three points if it's completely grown. Beans are only two boxes high and worth one point, but you can't start the beans until the corn is two squares high. Then there are the pumpkins around the outer edges of the garden. They are each one to four boxes, and when they are fully grown, they give you goods, which allow you to cross off additional boxes. And when you complete two pumpkins next to each other, you get to cross off a flower. The flowers each give you various bonuses and endgame scoring if completed. After you take your garden action, you get to do this corresponding rondelle action. This is where I thought you'd get excited, Bob. I, I, yes. When somebody told me Rondell, I got excited for sure. <laughs> These actions will allow you to plant or water in that same region again, do a shed time action, which is filling in the next uh, empty box of any one shed item. This gives you tools in your shed for bonuses throughout the game or end game scoring. You can do an apiary or fruit, which again gives you extra bonuses. The farmer's market, which uh, depending on how many goods you have, you can earn more checks throughout the game, like you can go to the uh, plant, get flowers and stuff. Then there's a con- you can get compost and four more goods, another spot. What makes this game so fun is the classic roll and write combos you pull off. There are so many in this game, and they actually give you a little journal spot to write them in so you don't forget as you're going throughout the game playing it. Because it's just like, you get like four e- extra stars. You're like, oh, I got to remember to take four of them because each time you do it, you get to do more things with it. When I was getting taught this game, I asked about that. I'm like, what is this? And... Uh, the guy who was teaching it was like, oh, that's where you keep track of, you know, anything that you need to keep track of. Uh, why would you need to keep track of that stuff? Because as you plant your flowers, yeah. you end up completing so many things and you get bonuses, but you're still growing all your flowers. So you have to kind of go around and grow, you know, when it rains, all of everything grows up. This one is like very similar to Fleet the Dice Game. It's Fleet the Dice Game 2.0 in a different With theme. a different theme. Yeah. It, the, the way you draft the dice are different you know the rondelle is obviously very different you don't have two sets of dice but if you look at the paper that you get with it it's two papers like the other one and it's very it's set up the same like the goods are are like the coins you know instead of the boats that's where your garden is and then the instead of the harbor that's where your shed is so it's very much set up the same but plays very different you know the bonuses are obviously very different they're very thematic in the way that they work you know you want bees they help pollinate your flower your your trees your fruit trees your fruit trees give you goods to sell at the farmer's market. You know, you go in the shed, you can print labels for your fruit. That'll sell more at the farmer's market. It's just really very thematic and a lot of fun. 
but the same thing where like it's bonuses after bonuses after bonuses. If you complete this, then you get this, then you can do this. And that is so fun. Yes. Did you like it? Yeah. Did you, did you like it more than you thought you were going to like it? That is a good question. Yes, kind of. So I did like it more than I thought I would, but it is the spiritual successor to Fleet the Dice Game. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of the same feels that you get out of both of them. You draft dice. There's always one left over. That one left over, everyone gets. The big difference is you're not drafting two sets of dice, but you're getting additional actions on the rondelle. Mm-hmm. You're checking off goods, aka coins. So if you get to a certain amount, you get extra check boxes. So it, it it does a lot of the exact same things. And what makes Fleet the dice game good was the combos that you can pull off, and this does the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. I think in this game you can combo more than Fleet the Dice game. I think so too. I wouldn't say it's significant, mm-hmm. but there's definitely more combos to be had in this game compared to Fleet the Dice game. But you're still not going to be able to do everything, which makes it really satisfying. It makes you want to go back and like, oh, I want to try a different strategy. I want to do the the bean strategy, or I want to do the pumpkin strategy. You know, because you no matter even if you do really well, you're not going to complete everything. No, there's no way you can. I do like that there's a specific set of rounds and you get the rain to yeah, do everything. Yeah, at the everything. end of every round, there's a bonus that everybody gets to do. And it's really good. Like you get to go to the farmer's market or you ever, it rains so all your plants grow. So that's that's really fun. It's like I love end of the round things where it's good, not end of the round things where like you have to pay money or feed your people. Like it's, just, it's all good, 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 more, more, more. My favorite piece of this game has to be that rondelle piece. Which, I mean, it was going to be, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so you have a little meeple guy. You roll the dice, and depending on the values, you put the lowest value on the spot with the meeple, and then you continue forward with the number of dice. Mm-hmm. And then that meeple, you move to the end of that chain. So it's one space after the last, the highest value die. Mm-hmm. So it's constantly moving, so you don't necessarily know what's coming up until after the dice are rolled. Mm-hmm. So you know, okay... We know for a fact, at the very least, we're going to get this action. You probably know you're going to get the next two actions where that meeple's sitting. But I enjoyed that because then it gives you a little bit more stuff to think about. Because now do I want to do, do the shed action? Do I want to grow in area six and take the shed action? Or would I rather grow in area four and do an apiary action? Mm-hmm. So I do like that rondelle piece. I, I, I think because of that, I'm naturally going to like Three Sisters more than I like Fleet. And I think Three Sisters, what it has going for it is the more approachable theme in a lot of ways. As much as Fleet the Dice Game, I wouldn't say it's unapproachable, but it's also fishing. Yeah. Yeah, I've never played Fleet. Like, I've never had an interest to play Fleet, and I wouldn't have even picked up Fleet the Dice Game because of the box and the theme until I heard how good it was. You know, something like, yeah, gardening is way more approachable than Mm -hmm. fishing. It doesn't feel so overwhelming. Yeah, I... I love, I like this one a little bit better, again, because of the theme, because there's a little bit more combos. It's just a little more like you get more things out of it, but I love the theme the most. I like the gardening theme. It it makes sense all thematically. I think it's, like you said, more approachable. Well, and there's good decisions to be had in this one as well, because you want to start growing your corn, so then you can start growing beans, because you can't grow beans unless you already have corn growing. Mm-hmm. And you need to make sure you complete all those. If you, you can grow as much as you want, but if you don't complete them, you won't get anything. 
that's where that rain action comes in. Mm -hmm. Maybe I want to water this one area because I need to score points. Mm -hmm. I know the game we just played at the very end, I was thinking about that. Okay, we're getting rain at the very end. So you want to set everything up so everything needs one more check. And it felt good because I was able to draft a die and then I was able to fill in a spot that allowed me to water one section. Mm -hmm. And that was the section that wasn't going to score me points, but then I got everything where it needed to be and then it rained and then I scored a bunch of points because of it. Mm -hmm. So it definitely felt good pulling that off, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's a fun little puzzle to it a little bit. It's unfortunate that it's a roll and write. It's a good roll and write. Yeah. I should just stop being so pessimistic about rolling rights if so because it, it, it's not the dice drafting that you don't like because you love dice drafting games i do i love is it the I... pencil and the paper no i don't know what it is like if you took your dice and like made it and grabbed a token from it and then placed it on this board you'd be fine no yeah, no i'm be. gonna tell okay i bet you would be probably you know what i can't give you a good reason because there is no reason why i shouldn't like every rolling right that comes out the fact that you pick up dice and you roll them. You I, love that. I love it. You, the Most rollers are dice drafting. You love that. Yep, I do. I'm not opposed to pencil and paper. I play D&D. Like, I, I'm not a D&D Beyond guy, for those of you who know what I'm talking about. Natasha doesn't. She's looking at me like with a deer in the headlights. I don't know what D&D Beyond is. Anyway, I'm not that guy. I'm a pencil and paper kind of a guy. So why don't you like roller rights? I don't know. I want. Uh, I need to think about this and give you a correct answer. I have no idea. I think it just there were so many that came out. I got sick and tired of hearing about a new rolling right. It was just like, oh, Ever- here's another rolling right. Oh, here's another rolling right. Oh, here's another rolling right. Everybody loves them because it's easy to pump them out. They're cheap. They're easy. They're easy to make. They're easy to play. You play them in a half an hour. You buy one for like less than twenty dollars. They're a great entry level game. Roll, everybody needs like I don't know if they're I'm not going to say they're all great entry level games I would not teach Fleet or Three Sisters to a new person I don't think maybe Three Sisters it's a little bit more intuitive with the theme yeah but you're there's so many things going on that you're trying to pull off all these combos you know and the thankfully they mm-hmm. included the note section I'm actually really impressed with the fact that they included a note section because you forget sometimes mm-hmm. you what you've to. accomplished mm-hmm. Sometimes you you may have an extra couple moves and now... Just because of that rain action, when it rains and everything triggers, you might end up triggering three different bonuses. And where in Fleet, you're, you're doing one thing at a time. As soon as you're triggered that bonus, you mark it off, you, you move on to the next one. Where this one, it's like you need to go back and pick your flower that you want to collect. Yeah, sometimes it's a little bit more difficult to keep track of what you've done. It's mm-hmm. it's We talked about it in Paladins where sometimes you think you forgot stuff. Mm-hmm. Three Sisters, there was times where I like, did I do everything? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, If you use the notes, it really helps. I know that was a big complaint with Fleet the Dice game. Like you, You'd get this license and you'd get this bonus. You'd get a free star every time you fish, but then you'd forget to take that bonus. Yeah. So you'd end up with a lower score, but that's just because you forget to take all your extra bonuses. There's a lot, there's a lot of mental things to keep track of in both of these games. So in that sense, you're right. It would be a harder uh, welcoming game. But overall, most Roland rights are great welcoming games. People are used to Yahtzee. Everyone loves Yahtzee. Yeah, they're pretty similar in that. And maybe that's also the reason why I don't like them is because of Yahtzee. I don't, I don't know. I, I'm weird. I'm like the outcast that doesn't like. It's cool to hate on Roland rights, and I'm starting that trend. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I just don't. No. Whatever. Mm-hmm. No, Bob's wrong. Um, I really like this game. I would rate it a nine. I like it a slightly better than Fleet the Dice game, so maybe a nine and a half. What would you rate it, Bob? I'm going to give this one 7.1 because <laughs> I like it better than Fleet. 
I d- Fair okay. Enough. I do like it better than Fleet. I'd probably give it a seven and a half. I yeah, it's good. I like the Rondell. I'm naturally gonna like Rondells. I like the combos. Extremely combo tastic game. Mm-hmm. It's fun. It doesn't take very long playing with two players. It was a really quick game. Yeah, so I like it better than Fleet. Yeah, so I so, I um want both of them. I have Fleet already. I'm gonna pick up Three Sisters. I think they both belong in my collection. They're very similar in the way that you know the board is laid out, but I think they're different enough for me personally because I like them so much. I want both of them. If um rolling rights aren't your thing and you were interested in one of these, you know you could pick either one. They're they're both great games. You know they'll both probably scratch the same itch. So you could start with one, and that's probably enough. When would you pick one over the other? When would a situation arise where you choose Fleet over Three Sisters or Three Sisters over Fleet? Um, I can think of a lot of reasons to choose Three Sisters over Fleet because of the theme. Yep. Um, I don't know why I'd recommend Fleet over Three Sisters. Um, so why keep it in your collection? Because I like playing it. Oh, so you just play it solo? No, I'll play with other people. Oh, but yeah. why you wouldn't pick Three... If you have Three Sisters and Fleet in your collection and people came over... You're like, Natasha, rolling right. Which one are you going to pick? I would pick Three Sisters. But, I mean, if we played it a lot and then I want to play, you know, something, change it up. If they liked it, I'd be like, well, let's play Fleet now. Okay. Fair enough. Just, I just, I'm curious from, you know, you're minimalistic. So. Yeah. I, I Yeah. Typically, I get a new one like this. I would get rid of Fleet. But I like them both. So, no. Plus, they're small. Like, they're easy. You can play them a lot. So, change it up. There you go. I'd recommend giving this game a try if you like rolling rights. If you like interested in the garden theme or you love pulling off combos, this is a great game. That is Three Sisters. All right, that's going to wrap up the games we've been playing. We are going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we are going to sit down with Shayna, a licensed clinical social worker who uses board games in her therapy sessions. All right, we are back. And to kick off Mental Health Month, we have a very special guest with us. Shayna, who is a licensed clinical social worker, a board game enthusiast, and co-hosts her own podcast called Mental Mages about mental health and pop culture. Thank you for joining us, Shayna. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. So you use board games in your sessions, right? I do, a lot. Talk to us a little bit about what you do in your practice, like what kind of clients you see, what kind of populations you serve. Yeah. So I primarily work with children, um, teenagers, and young adults. Um, I usually see children up from the age of eight. I do have a couple younger than that. Um, And so I do individual therapy, Mm -hmm. um, so meet with the children individually. And then I also run five groups. Um, So I run a group for middle school aged boys and girls and then high school aged boys and girls, and then an LGBTQ uh, group for young adults. Um, Right now they're all virtual. Um, hoping that can change. Virtual has been an interesting experience. Oh, um, I bet. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. So do you do vir- uh, board games virtually as well? I do, actually, yes, with individual clients. It's a little trickier with the groups. Um, I've mm-hmm. actually used, uh, like, Jackbox games <laughs> for oh, groups. Yeah. yeah, sure. Yes. Yep. Um, and online Uno, like some of the simpler things that are easy um for the virtual groups i actually did start a board game group pre-pandemic mm-hmm. that was actually the one that was cut into so i'm hoping to kind of bring that back definitely if we do start to go back in person i think that it would be great but uh, online it's a little trickier especially you know things like confidentiality and making sure oh, that we're yeah. right and making sure you know we're not in a public forum and it has to be password protected and so that's why jackbox games are great um, mm-hmm. you know, cause it's me owning it and they just sign in, but 
which is unfortunate because you can't utilize some of the big ones that the industry has, like Tabletop Simulator, mm-hmm. or, you know, Board Game Arena, all those like huge things you can't utilize. Right. I've I've been able to use Board Game Arena a little bit. Um, I, you know, I have the account and you can send a link to someone. And so it's they don't have to create an account, which is nice. And they can like, I think they have to come up with like a nickname, but they can, I, I just tell them not to use their names, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. And that's worked. Yeah, that has worked. And I want to actually explore that a little bit more because it has been successful. We've done simple things like Flux, which has been really great. And I've actually had a couple of virtual clients love Flux and that's all we've played for an hour straight. <laughs> and so, yeah, that's um, awesome. Yeah. So what are the benefits? Why do you want to, why do you incorporate board games into your therapy sessions? You know, there's so many benefits to board games. I actually recently ran a training for my agency. Um, so it was about 40 therapists and I talked about the benefits of board games um, and it was pretty funny because I'm going off these, you know, this listing these things. So, you know, for even just as simple as it builds relationships, right? Mm-hmm. So when you're playing a game, you're making eye contact, you are taking turns, you're communicating, you're playing off what the other person does. Um, gameplay takes a lot of trust. You have to trust that that person is not going to cheat. You have to trust that that person, you know, is going to be a graceful winner or a graceful loser. Mm-hmm. You have to, you know, trust that they're going to play by the rules just like you are. Because they're going to finish their game too. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. I was going to say, Natasha's already out because she she cheats all the time. No, that's not true. <laughs> Only on accident. Oh, I get you that. You never cheat no, on I totally accident. totally get that. Yeah. Yes. Well, okay, it teaches forgiveness. Yes, it does. <laughs> Absolutely. And it also teaches things like it's okay to fail. It's okay yeah. to make mistakes. You're, mm-hmm. There's consequences to the choices you make in games. And you have to think on your feet. You have to think critically. And mm-hmm. you can always try again, you know, and it's a safe place to practice those skills. Yes. Which yes. is huge. It's mm-hmm. huge, especially for children, teenagers, you know, and especially when we're told we're not supposed to make mistakes growing mm-hmm. up, that we always have to be successful. We always have to be winners. You know, it's a, it's a safe place to practice. Like, no, sometimes reality is not like that and things don't work out the way we want them to. Yes. And how do they deal with that outcome once it actually happens? Generally, pretty well. It depends definitely on the on the child and the age. Um, I've definitely had situations where, you know, I win. And they're like, well, this is a stupid game. <laughs> yeah. just well, like, I, I, I've done that myself. Yeah, right, yeah I, recently. Same. same. <laughs> I am also a pretty sore loser. So. But I at least try to hide it, right? That's the social contract. You, like, hide your anger. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. You don't and express it. It's hard when you've, you know, you've been working towards the strategy for like multiple turns and someone does one thing and it's like, well, <laughs> I guess yeah. it's over. Um, but that's, again, that's how life works. Sometimes that happens. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so it's, like I said, it's a great way to practice that. Um, there's definitely times where if we're working on the particular skill of being a gracious winner, I will mm-hmm. do everything in my power to win in that game um, to really teach that. And things like Uno, so quick, quicker games are really good for that, um, yeah. especially with the younger kids, you know. So I use a variety of more mainstream games um, and then also like the more non-mainstream games. Um, Hobby level board games. Yeah, it's probably Correct. easier to yes. teach them. It's easier to play a game if they already know it. Right. It's not so overwhelming. How about cooperative games? Like, how do you feel about using cooperative games within your sessions? I actually really love cooperative games. Um, I 
personally in my personal life don't like cooperative games. I like to win. Yeah. Um, but in sessions. You're they, Natasha just, yes. Me and the, you, we'll play yeah, together. You guys are on the same page with that. For <laughs> That's sure. so funny. Yes. Yeah. So I've used Pandemic, which is actually one of the first hobby level games that I ever incorporated in sessions which is really great for building that communication, problem solving together. Um, it's also just very different experience than a lot of them are used to because they're used to a competitive game, whereas it's like, oh, now we're trying to beat the game. Um, mm-hmm. And so it kind of creates almost a different feel. I've used the game, um, which is very tricky. And so that one's really good because it's actually very hard to win too. So usually we do not <laughs> win the yeah. game. Yeah. So I think there's really a lot good. of value in um, – teaching kids complicated games that they're not very good at but then over time they get better and better and it kind of shows them you know that a little bit of hard work pays off right that they can learn and improve absolutely and confidence is another huge thing i've seen beneficial with board games i've seen it with my friends um Mm. who have become more confident in taking risks or making the decisions without having to ask other people's opinions on it um i even saw it this week in session with a client and it was incredible to see, you know, that, and I've seen it a number of times that I get asked a lot of questions throughout the game, but as the game goes on, they get more and more confident in what they're doing and they don't need me anymore. And that's really, it's amazing to see that shift and the confidence and decision-making. And that's what I used a lot for teenagers, especially teenagers that are really nervous about pursuing careers or, or goals mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. this is a way, you know, well, you made this assertive decision in this game and it worked out. Where you made this assertive decision in the game and it didn't work out, but you were able to recover and, you know, we were still able to finish. Yeah, yeah. Life has risks and sometimes the risks don't pay off, but it's still okay, right? You're okay in the end. Exactly. Yeah. So it's really cool. And that's actually, like I said, the feedback I've gotten from a lot of my friends when I asked, when I was preparing for my training, I asked a lot of my friends, what are ways that board games have affected you or, you know, impacted you? And a lot of what I got back was I feel more confident in my ability to make decisions. Wow. I know. And it was, I was like, wow, actually, I agree. I agree with that. And so self-esteem, confidence, it's huge. It's a huge part of board games, video games too. Mm -hmm. I think what I like most about the board game industry is the fact that you can unplug from a lot of video games and you're always kind of adapting to Mm -hmm. the situation you're in, not necessarily what's happening within game. So video games, There's obviously algorithms that will change Mm -hmm. as you do different things. But in a board game, you're always constantly adapting to what every other player is doing. Mm -hmm. You know, like Natasha cheating. You have to factor that into when you're playing. (laughs) You got to keep an eye on me. You got to play your game. Plus, you got to keep an eye on what I'm doing. Pretty much. (laughs) That's multitasking. There's always one person that needs to be in charge of the Natasha turns. (laughs) Yeah, task management is a huge another huge piece, you know, especially when you have a more complicated game that has a lot of moving pieces, you know, you have to keep track of multiple things that you're doing. And this decision mm-hmm. affects this decision, which affects this. Um, one that has become really popular in my office is um, Sagrada. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's been great for a variety of ages, but you know, it's it's tricky because you can't put the dice in certain places and when you place a dice at some point it might mess up your game in the future and you know when do I spend my things to try to you know so there's a lot of really good it's a good balance of strategy and, and kind of luck um mm-hmm. and so it's been really good to help with that task management it's definitely 
a, you know, a more complicated game. You know, it's not super complicated, but it's more complicated than most of what these kids have ever played. Oh, for um, sure. Mm-hmm. Well, and it rewards forward thinking because you yes. have to keep things open to make sure you still have available moves as you're going. Mm-hmm. And as t- kids learn the game, then they teach uh, their friends. And then those are skills, too, with uh, mm-hmm. teaching people how to play a complicated yeah. game. That's a skill like I think adults, as we're getting into the hobby, like we're learning and improving on as well. Mm-hmm. You know, those kind of leadership skills where you're taking the time to teach somebody something a little bit more complicated. Absolutely. Well, that's one of those teaching games has always been one of those things that I think most people struggle with. Mm-hmm. I know specifically with me, when I first started and I would come to board game night and I would bring games, mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to teach them because I always felt inadequate at teaching them. Yeah. It never felt like I was a pro at mm-hmm. teaching a game, you know? Certain people did it better than I did and let them teach it. Or you give them a game and be like, teach me this, teach me my game, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. But. No, yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, that's actually really true. And it's it's something that I've grown in my own confidence with too while teaching it to my to my clients. And it's funny because so many times, I, I don't know, you'll probably get this reaction too. People are like, oh, you love board games? What's your favorite? And I, you know, list off my my favorite board games. They're like, oh, I've never heard of any of those. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't think you did. Um <laughs> But, you know, usually I'll, I'll say, okay, do you want to build a stained glass window or a quilt today? And <laughs> that's how I have them pick. And then they're yep. like, yep. And they're like, I don't know how to play this. <laughs> and I'm just like, well, I'm, I'm going to teach you how to play it. I'm curious your teaching style because we've, Natasha and I have had discussions about the proper way to teach. When you are teaching a game to a client, how mm-hmm. do you approach it? Do you give them all the information in the very beginning? Do you hold some back? Do you help them through their turns? What do you find works well for you to teach a game? I usually kind of throw out all the information in the beginning and then kind of walk through the turn. I always go first if it's their first time doing it to kind of demonstrate, you know, what does this look like? I usually teach the game mechanics, the basic, this is what we're doing first And then when the game ends, because those are always the questions I have when my husband is teaching a game to us. My question is always, how do we win? And Mm -hmm. when does the game end? Yeah. How do I know when I need to win? Um, So those are the important things that I definitely talk. You know, I'm thinking Sagrada, because that's the one that's come up the most recently. Um, You know, I usually say we will be pulling pretty dice out of this bag. We will each get two dice to place. Um, and that's usually the opening I kind of have. And then I show the, the mat and then I explain the cards. And they're usually looking at me with like, you know, deer in the headlights looks. Mm-hmm. And I'll say, don't worry, it'll be fine. <laughs> so it all makes sense <laughs> when we are playing. Um, and that's usually like the, you know, the to calm down. No one understands. They always say, I'm like, are you following? And they're like, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's worked out and I've never had anyone not understand as we were going. Um, and usually once we go through that first turn, if some people need like a testing turn or something like that, that's, you know, that's also totally mm-hmm. fine. That's another skill actually is being okay with entering something that's unknown and you don't know what you're doing, but that's okay. Like you don't always have to, right? That is true. Yeah. And it also, you know, again, speaks to the trust that I hope my clients have in me that I'm not going to lead them wrong as I'm teaching them. And they, and I, you know, I'm always going to give them tips, even if it's going to benefit them. Mm-hmm. Um Always, always, always. Another one that's really big that we've used is Skipbo, which is a more common game. Um, mm-hmm. Less common than I thought it would be, though. Funny enough, it's lost a lot of pop. Most of my clients have never played it. They're oh, like, wow. I know. They're like, is this knockoff Uno? And I'm like, I don't 
don't even know what to say to that. Yes. <laughs> no. Yes. No, it's not, but it is. Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> It's more complicated than it. There's a lot, actually a lot of task management in mm-hmm. Skip Boat because you're managing all kinds of, you know, the discard pile in your hand and your in your deck. And so that's one that I, I try to really help them and, and say, you know, always play from your deck. You always want to play from your deck and, you know, different tips. Same with like Sagrada, like, okay, you, you know, make sure that you're being careful of where you're placing things. And obviously if I see them place numbers or colors next to each other, I say, oh, let's, let's go back and fix that. You know, we can rectify mm-hmm. that. Um, if they've played more then you know twice and we're starting to get more advanced then i will not do that and that's then they then we start learning the oh man consequences to my actions um mm-hmm. but in the beginning i'm definitely gonna like guide them and and they win a, a lot you know there's definitely like i have played it tons of times and i was destroyed yesterday so <laughs> <laughs> like that's awesome legit do, do you get destroyed or do you ever like hold back when you're teaching somebody these games when do you go full-fledged, all right, I'm doing everything I can to win to, okay, I'm going to you know, hold back a little bit. The, the episode we just released last week talks about losing. And one of the things we talked mm-hmm. about is I'll give myself restrictions. So we'll be doing a game. And if it's newer players, I'll say, okay, if it's Ticket to Ride, I am not claiming any of the gray routes or whatever mm-hmm. it happens to be. Do you ever do something like that in order to give them that confidence when they're initially playing? occasionally it depends on the game and it depends on the person Mm -hmm. um occasionally you know if i have won uno twice in a row and they're looking discouraged and i have a draw four in my hand i might ignore it Mm -hmm. um you know to kind of allow them to now will i always hold on to it the whole game and let them win no um usually i give it a couple turns and if they don't win within a couple turns then i'm gonna play it um and keep it going with games the more complicated games it tends to be older kids and so what i'll do though with sagrada is when they're new players i will also pick an easy mat so like i'm not going up against you know a level three with a level six i Mm -hmm. we're both going up with a level three or a level four to start with Mm -hmm. Um, and so those are some ways that i will kind of give them a little bit you know of where I'm I'm like, I don't have a, more opportunities to get be- better points because that's not fair just because I know how to play yep. the game. Yeah. You want, you want, the whole point is to teach them that games are fun, right? Exactly. And, you know, and if, same thing, if I have a level four map and they have a level three, they get four tokens to spend. I even that out. And I've changed a couple of the rules with Pandemic because sometimes with two players, it can be a little tricky as far as like, you know, you have to be, if I remember correctly, you have to be in the, that city to give the card and that is really difficult with two players so i've especially with younger clients i'll change it up to where the two of us just have to be in the same city um rather than that particular city and then Mm -hmm. again as they get more comfortable with the game i'll increase the difficulty of okay now we're gonna you know put five epidemics in there and you know so those are some ways that i kind of try to increase the difficulty with things you don't just start right out and put all six in there and just go from there. <laughs> we have lost for sure. I have yeah. definitely lost with not not too often. Usually we end up winning, but there are definitely times we we have not. <laughs> and so then we lose together. And we talk about then, okay, what do, what can we do next time? How can we change our strategy? What can we do differently? Okay, this role didn't work out very well. What are some roles, you know, that we think might work better? So those are, you know, some of the ways for that. Um, with things like Skipbo, I can't say I've ever held back with Skipbo, to be honest. Um, yeah. <laughs> there's no need. Fair. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. Um, but what's funny is, you know, there, there again, there's clients that I, when I win a lot, 
and then we keep playing the game and then when they finally do win it's more meaningful yes yes and it, and then it's really cool to see them like oh my gosh like i i really did do this it wasn't you know and so that's really cool yeah well, to go back to what natasha was saying it's that piece of you're you're putting in this work and eventually that work is going to pay off right Definitely, definitely, definitely. Um, there's occasionally times where I'll add other elements to games too. So for example, the simpler ones like Candyland, Mancala, um, and Shoots and Ladders, some of like the, you know, the younger, slightly easier games, I'll add other elements to kind of, so for example, in Candyland, when you land on a color, I have a list of colors that match with feelings. And so then we'll give an example of that feeling. Oh, so that's cute. Um, Mancala, same thing. I colored to the bottom of the little, you know, wooden pockets. And when you end up landing in the marble in that pocket for the, you know, when your turn ends, you have to give an example of that, that feeling. Uno, if you play a special card, you have to pull from five different jars. I have an anger management jar. I have a self-esteem jar. Um, and then, you know, we answer those questions based off of those, you know, what's pulled out of the jar. Yeah, wow. that's awesome. Yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. I think kids probably are more comfortable talking to if they're a little more distracted with the game. Yes, it's not absolutely. so intimidating to just sit there and talk right across from a therapist. That seems really intimidating for a kid. Don't you absolutely. cheat at Candyland, Natasha? Don't you put Queen <laughs> Frostina on I top? Put, I put Queen Frostina at the top. Yeah, so that mm-hmm. one of my kids can get. I just want to. I want to go on record to say you said you don't cheat on purpose. <laughs> And you just I don't th- cheat in my favor. I cheat for other people. Oh, so you give somebody else Queen Frosty. Yeah. It, it, yes. All right. Make sure my son gets Queen Frosty. Oh, that's cute. That's, <laughs> that's sweet. It's really, no, it's selfish because <laughs> I don't want to play the game. Uh, well, that's fair. Yes, I actually, I don't want yes, it to go on What's really funny about Candyland is I do some, okay, that's one that I kind of sort of will try to set up a little bit. I want them to win because it's usually like, five, you know, five, six-year-olds that are mm-hmm. playing it. And it's so sad when they're almost to the end and then they draw something that makes them go all the way back. Yeah. And I'm like, hey. You got to hide that card. I know. Uh, the, the peppermint man and the, yes. the gumdrop. It's the worst when you pull that. And same with shoots and ladders when they, you know, and I actually, I'll rectify it to where it's like, okay, if you can tell me three coping skills. You don't have to go down this this chute. <laughs> so that's the way <laughs> I have made it work. Now, if they can't, then they got to you know, then they got to go down the chute. Oh, but. there you go. Yeah. That's that's really clever. Yeah, yeah. them's the breaks, kid. Them's I know, the breaks. Because yes. I I should have let my kids lose. At least my oldest, I should have let her lose a lot more than I did because she's not a good loser now. <laughs> it's hard. Another, I have a rule too that any game, regardless of the outcome, we always say good game at the end. Mm-hmm. So even yeah. if gracious, they are, yeah. Yes, even if they're pissed, I'm like, what do we say? <laughs> you know, and they're like, good game, you know, all begrudgingly. And, <laughs> do yeah, the but- teens ever just say, all right, GG? Whatever, yes, GG. yes, they yeah. do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can't say good game, but I can say GG. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know what it means. Mm-hmm. I don't have to say it out loud. So I'm curious, what are your favorite games? Like, what are your top five games? My top five. So, um, you know, I was really thinking about this and it's, you know, it's hard to. Pick. So my, I would say my top five right now are um, Ecos. It's one of our family favorites. Mm. Calico recently has become a really popular game for it. us. Yes. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> I love puzzle games. I just think that they're, mm-hmm. I just love, that's why I like Sagrada too. I told Bob that Calico belongs in a retirement facility for yeah. elderly. I think they would love it. The challenge and the puzzliness of it and the adorable theme makes it really approachable. You it's think not... every older person likes cats though? That I think every you're... I don't like cats, but I still like looking at the cats in the box. Like it's cute, right? 
I mean, it is really cute. I've actually even thought about adding my own cats into it. <laughs> it's like yeah. making <laughs> nice. little players, you know. Um, what are some of my other favorites? Um, Dice Forge is definitely, I love Dice Forge. I love everything about it. There's oh, something cool, so satisfying about, you know, popping that piece off yes. and then putting a brand new one in there. And you're like, yeah, I just can't wait to roll this. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> and then you don't the rest of the game and you feel bad. Yeah. The times three never comes up for me. <laughs> right. Ever. I just don't even buy it anymore. (laughs) Screw this. Why did I waste so much time acquiring this thing that's never coming up? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) What else did I say was my favorites? Uh, Oh, King Domino is another Mm -hmm. one of my. Like I said, I really like puzzle kind of games. King Domino is really good. Yeah, really good two player at seven Mm -hmm. the seven by seven grid. I think I've never done it that way actually. Really, play the whole the whole deck two player. Oh my gosh! I never. Oh my gosh! Well, shoot. Guess what's going to my office this week? Spoiler alert, because we're going to be reviewing King and Queen Domino soon. But I like King Domino best at two player with the seven by seven grid. I think it's phenomenal that way. I am very excited now. I think that's another great one. It's easy to teach, too. So you could bring it to your your clients. Yeah. Yeah. And it's great for planning. Lots and lots mm-hmm. of like planning and trying it. Mm-hmm. And then I love tapestry. I love Stonemeyer games. Um, I have my Stonemeyer t-shirt on. Um, <laughs> we actually did the play test for the Stonemeyer expansion. One of them, I think the only one. I could be wrong. Um, but we're on a we're on the box, which is cool. So cool. nice. Um, That's awesome. Yes. And I also recently, so I we we buy all the Stonemeyer games. So yep. we bought mm-hmm. Red Rising, and mm-hmm. then I didn't know it was based off a book, so I read the books. Um, and I love the books. They're fan- phenomenal. If you haven't read them, I'd highly recommend mm-hmm. them. Um, but it is so cool now to play the game now that I've read the books. And it's like, oh, oh my cool. gosh, I know these characters. This is so cool. <laughs> so that was really cool. It's extra cool that I have crushed it, you know, crushed other people. And Pendulum, I actually, it's funny enough, not one of my favorite games, but I have won every single game of Pendulum. Wow. I know. Interesting. I don't know why. And I don't know why it's my fa- not my favorite, probably because I I almost feel like I have it figured out and no one else has figured it out. And so like. It's not challenging. Yeah. Because no one has even gotten like onto the mat to win. Like you need to get in a certain place for it, you know, to win. Yeah. I I unfortunately have not played this game, nor do I think I'm going to because it's (laughs) real time. And I am just Uh. not a fan of real time (laughs) games. Just something about it. There's a variation that's not real time. So how does that work? It's so... It's like the beginner. So you just follow. It has a card that tells uh-huh. you when things get unlocked, but you don't have to follow the the timers. That was explained very poorly, but <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. Like, and I think I I think I remember reading that, but I if I remember correctly, that's more like learning the game. Yeah. So intro. This is how the game's supposed to flow and everything, and then once you kind of get through that, that's when you jump into the full fledged. All right. You know, do the sand timers and let's go. Mm-hmm. Bad time, you give it a try. No, I'm not. Oh my gosh, it's so good. <laughs> it feels like what I think speed chess would feel like. You know, you're I just- love real time games. Even when I was young, I used to play checkers, but fast. Mm. Like that was the trick. We did play it fast, and it was fun. No, I'm good. I'm good <laughs> on that. You know, it's games like uh, what's that other real time Magic Maze? Is Magic Maze? When you yeah. don't even you can't even talk. Mm-hmm. You're just like slamming that little thing down between people. Yeah. Do you ever use that like for body language or anything like that? You know, mm-hmm. I've used 
I don't even know that I know what that game is. I've heard good things about, or things that I would like to use that I haven't get, gotten to. Um, I would love to do Horrified as another co-op game. Mm-hmm. It's a really good one. And then I yes. would love to do Marvel United. It's kind of, it's simpler too. Marvel United is pretty straightforward. Yeah, and everybody um, loves Marvel. Right. Yeah, it's so po- It's so popular right now. It's blown up to what it is now. Yeah, you know? I think mm-hmm. it would. everyone would be down to play that. Yes. Yeah. So those two I'd love to incorporate. I love, and it's a similar thing that I think it would be great, but I don't know about the theme, is um, Fuse, the dice game where you're trying to do it in like 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. I love that game. It's super fun. But Mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't know if I can do like bombs and (laughs) therapy. Well, it's not, it doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel like bombs. It's just puzzles, you know? Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel at all thematic. So I think you'd be fine. And just a bunch of yelling and <laughs> stealing <laughs> dice. You could and... you could just not explain the bombs. You could just that's true. Say we're gonna solve each of these puzzles. That is true. Yeah. I mean, got... maybe maybe not for somebody with with trauma, history of trauma, or something like that. But yeah, yeah. we got flatline, which is supposed to be similar ish. Yeah, but you're healing people, right? Right. It's a hospital setting. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. You have your own podcast. I'm interested to hear about your own podcast. So, mental mages. Uh, talk to us a little bit about it. So you do mental health and pop culture, right? Yes. So you review pop culture things and kind of talk about it in the mental health world, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So we talk about, and it's, you know, it's very new. So we are trying to cover all kinds of different themes. We will be having a board game episode in the beginning of June because that's board game, National Board Game Day is like the beginning of June. And yep. tabletop yeah. day or whatever. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so we've talked about Encanto and we've talked about Turning Red. We just... Um, we'll be having a special Star Wars episode releasing soon for Star Wars Day. May the 4th be with you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, so we kind of just are covering all kinds of different pop culture areas. Um, it was kind of born just because my, it was actually my, um, you know, my colleague, the director of my agency actually just loves pop culture, just like, you know, and different things just like me. And we love talking about it. And it, mm-hmm. I don't know, it just kind of happened. So a lot of these new movies are really you know set up for these types mm-hmm. of conversations you know beginning with the uh, um inside out was a great one yes yep. you know to talk to kids about feelings and yeah i know you tie what listen to your uh we do talk about bruno episode <laughs> yeah, like i love that yeah I love you. we do talk about bruno. <laughs> let's talk about bruno and about all the the family dynamics and mm-hmm. and you know the things that people struggle with because that that movie was really good discussion mm-hmm. um kickoff point so where can where can they find your podcast at? are you on all the major podcast stuff Yes. Yeah, we should be at least, I hope. Um, if not, we have an Instagram, a Mental Mages podcast, and a Facebook group as well. Oh, I did notice on your bio, it said that you have a superhero therapy certification. What does that mean? Um, I took a training with Janina Scarlett, and she is the creator of superhero therapy. She also has a book about Harry Potter therapy um, and a number of other different things. She's done research studies. Um and so I did a training with her and it was a 10 hour, you know, twice or once a week, two hour long training. Um, might even been longer than that, to be honest. I don't remember exactly. Um, but it was amazing. She, you know, taught us how to use superheroes and pop culture in therapy, um, different interventions, meditations, mindfulness practices with it. Um, I have a superhero therapy. I've ha- I have her book that I've used in sessions. Um, wow. It's really cool and it's it's really interesting because it it sounds like something that would be actually be used for children, but it's it's not really mm. for children. It's actually for older teens and young adults. 
um, because it has some pretty intense themes in it. So it's, it's really cool. Um, and I've been really thankful. That's actually the start of my, what's funny is, you know, I've, I've always been a nerd, you know, I grew up playing games. I grew up loving Harry Potter. I grew up loving everything, reading and, um, Mm -hmm. science fiction. And I never thought that I'd be able to, to incorporate it into the work that I do. Um, I didn't know that that was a thing. And then, so I'm so lucky to have found the agency that I have that is so supportive and has helped push me in those areas because now I I get to do the two things I love. I get to help people with the things that I love, with the things they love. And like, how cool is that? So that's been really amazing. Um, I also, my groups are cinema therapy groups. So we do, you know, we talk about movies Um, Hmm. and that's another thing that I, you know, I was like, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. And and my boss was like, great, <laughs> have fun. Um, and so, you know, we recently talked about The Adam Project and Enola Holmes and some other cool movies. Yeah, that's awesome. Those that's- are relatable people. Everyone watches mm-hmm. movies. Everyone knows superheroes. Those are ways to relate to people, huh? Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome that you have such a supportive organization that you work with mm-hmm. or work for that they allow you the freedom to do those types of things. Because there's a... Board games, there's so many positive things that come from playing board games, Mm -hmm. especially with the newer, more hobby style board games, the things people can learn, again, stepping out of your comfort Mm -hmm. zone. My wife always says, you know, life begins, you know, one step out of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. So, you know, stepping into learning something you've never done, that whole idea of cooperative games being working together teaching these valuable skills and how to communicate with people nonverbal communication regular how to be a gracious mm-hmm. winner how to be a gracious loser all these things there and it's it's awesome that people are receptive to that mm-hmm. you know it's it, that's great that that is something that you can actually do and incorporate into your sessions yeah Thank you. I forgot. I didn't even talk about Flux. I'm going to talk about that one because that's actually one of my favorites to use for two reasons. One, it's quick. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The other thing is it's so cool because of the changing conditions. And so that can be a topic of how do you respond to change? How do we adjust to the changes? You know, again, you have a whole plan and the plans change so fast in that in that game that you can't have a plan for very long. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that's been really, really, really cool. And then we're able to then dive into possibly like, you know, how has change affected your life? You have this big change coming up. How do you, you know, how are you going to address that? And so that's been one of my, my personal favorites to use. Wow. Yeah, that's cool. You have an Instagram, right? I do. What's your Instagram? My husband and I, over the pandemic, we were bored. And so we made, um, we played a lot of board games and so <laughs> he made an Instagram. Um, so it's called a couple O board, like B O R E D gamers. Like a board, um, right? Yes. Yeah. Cool. So I have a question for you. I didn't tell you this question was coming up, but I okay. do have a question for you. And it's something that I want to start doing with all our interviews. What is your go-to board game snack? <laughs> <laughs> board game nights happening. You're going to the grocery store. Man, I have to pick up Cheetos. This. Oh my God. Oh, that's why I sleep cards. <laughs> don't put don't you bring Cheetos over to my house. <laughs> what is your what is your go to snack? I would say chips and salsa. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Okay. Salty, sweet. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that's the most common. It's usually what we end up with at D D too. You waited this whole time to bring up Dungeons and Dragons. I've been trying to like talk about D D on this podcast for 14 episodes and I finally have somebody on 
that loves D&D and I couldn't even talk about it. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. That's another it's one of fine. my dreams is it's to fine. start a Dungeons and Dragons therapy group. That's one of my absolute dreams. Um, I just need someone to fund it. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Fair um, enough, yeah. What yes. would that look like? What, yeah. what, what do you mean a therapy group for D&D? Okay, so my vision is uh, probably about six, six kids, six teens. Um, mm-hmm. And we would... You know, I would I would do a lot of the homebrew stuff um, and they would be able to like practice their social skills and interactions and, and the same stuff we kind of just talked about, but in a more actually talking and making plans and making decisions and having to go talk to NPCs. So it could be I'm like really excited. So it could go, um, you know, it'd be so good for like social anxiety yeah. or um, children on the spectrum to really practice those skills yes. and have to work together as a team. And um, and the game is really player driven. Not the game yes. doesn't force you to do anything, but it's all really up to the players. So they yes. drive the story. Yeah, you're. Yeah, that's a really great idea. I and there's people out there that do it, which is it's amazing. It just you know for our groups, we're limited to an hour. There's no way we could play D and D in an hour. No, I yeah, you can't. Two and a half hours. You know, half an hour to get the like herd the cats, and yeah. then yeah. <laughs> time to play. Um, so that's kind of where. You know, how can I make this actually been, you know, beneficial for them? How can I still make a living off of it? Um, mm-hmm. And yep. you know, so it's definitely a dream out there for me. So, hey, if anyone's listening, wants to fund a therapeutic. Yeah, <laughs> send her money. Group. Yeah, she takes <laughs> she takes Venmo, Cash App, <laughs> PayPal. And all it's, of you it. could do it virtually so easily, too. You sure could. That's really the beauty. Yeah, yes. Roll20 is really well done. I mean, there's mm-hmm. so many Zoom Zencaster, Discord. There's so many things you can use in order to interact with people. But mm-hmm. that'd be yeah. great for parents to to do for their yeah. teens to run one for their teen and mm-hmm. get their friends in. And it would be. I actually use some interventions with Dungeons and Dragons. I usually like the little things that I do, um, and I want to make my own. It's just you know time. But mm-hmm. we'll we'll fill out a character sheet, and so they have to fill out a character sheet based on themselves, which is really fun. So it's like, where do they see their strengths? Where do they see their skills? And then, then we'll just create a character, and you know, and then then it, that's interesting because that reveals things like what what do they value as important. Um, yeah. and so that's usually interesting to figure out, um, and that's been pretty fun. So, I think it's awesome too because it promotes creativity mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you know, uh, slightly the acting kind of thing where you put on this voice and you you give this character a personality. Yes, a lot of times whenever you create a D and D character, part of your persona is within that character, mm-hmm. but yeah, you can give uh, you can give your gnome alchemist a cool little voice, and then you, you can, can be the person you want to be. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And then you react to the other people around. Maybe you don't like everybody that's in your party. Maybe you know there's a little tension or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's we should have talked about that. Let's rewind this. <laughs> Let's start over. <laughs> just just an episode. Yeah. <laughs> want, if you ever want me back, let me know. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm gonna. Yeah, we'll do D and D episodes. Natasha, you know, I don't whatever. Know yeah, you don't. <laughs> Although I do like, I do like everything you're saying. I see the value in, you know, even beyond a therapy session, just with making friends and social skills and, you know, um, creativity, you know, learning how to be silly in front of your peers. Like that's yes. hard for teens, you know? <laughs> yes. Yeah, for sure. Especially new people trying to because we talked about how we got into the hobby the one episode and just the amount of anxiety you get going to a place and trying to sit down on a game mm-hmm. yeah it can be a struggle or a barrier to entry and most people never get past that 
I know it's it's really hard as an adult to make friends. Yeah, you know, and you got to put yourself out there, and that's scary. You know, not just for kids, but for adults. And you know what? That's actually something I love about games for my own personal life. Is every single friend that I have has played a board game with us, Mm -hmm. and I have more friends than I ever have in my life. You know, Mm -hmm. as a young adult. And I've met them through all kinds of ways. And literally, I'll meet someone. We we hit it off. And I, and I say, you'll have to come play board games with us at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've had so many different people over. And I love it. It's an incredible way to make those connections. I love it. Yeah. There's there's low pressure when you have an activity you can do together. Yes. You don't have to fill that awkward void. Yeah. And it can bridge the gap between differences. You know, a board game is a common language that, you know, you don't have to have a ton in common with this person. You can disagree on all kinds of stuff, but you can still enjoy a board game. Yeah, I totally agree. Teaching a new player, what's your go-to welcoming game? That's a really good question. So usually we do, it's a kind of variety. Catan is a big one that we'll use for new gamers. Mm -hmm. Um, Ticket to Ride, because they're straightforward. Mm -hmm. Um, We do Sushi Go a lot with new new gamers. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that Um, works really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, King Domino is another popular one we'll do with new gamers, and King of Tokyo tends to be it tends to be those are usually a lot of the the opening games. We accidentally opened someone up with Seven Wonders, which I didn't realize was so complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you play something so much, it mm-hmm. just becomes a second language, and so I'm like, oh, this game is so easy, and they this poor person was so overwhelmed, and I felt so bad. <laughs> I know. Same. Terraforming Mars is the same. It is not a good starter game. Oh nope. my gosh. Absolutely not. <laughs> so I have talked on this podcast about how Seven Wonders, everyone says, is a welcoming game. It is not. It is not no. e- every time I've tried, I've tried so many times, and everyone just looks at me like I'm dumb. <laughs> and it just, I feel so bad. Seven Wonders Architects, though. Now that mm. is the Seven Wonders game we mm-hmm. need for new players. That game is way better at teaching new people mm-hmm. way better mm-hmm. but yeah seven wonders to try to teach <sighs> i've tried to i don't know i don't know it's like you're beating your head against the wall like how, am i just not explaining it correctly yeah. is it me yes. it's gotta be me right everyone else says it's good if i feel like sushi go is a good gateway to that because it's a drafting game yes and, and it's got similar elements so that's why it's it was a really it became a new starter game for us mm-hmm. um it's more straightforward, easier. Splendor, to out Splendor is another really good one. It's very straightforward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it teaches you engine building. Yes, you know? Splendor does. Yeah. yeah. Yes. 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 Great one. Especially if you get the Marvel Splendor too, mm-hmm. then people are automatically excited about the theme because yep. everyone knows Marvel and they all love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Games I don't like are things like Munchkin, where you have to like sabotage people because I get I get hurt, I get butt hurt. <laughs> <laughs> I think Fair everyone enough. everyone has that breaking point where you feel ganged up on. Yes. There was okay. We were playing a game of Onk, and we, I, I I had won a couple games in a row, and we sit down, we play Onk, and Natasha's like, "Okay, here's the deal. Bob cannot win." <laughs> Like the only goal. Yeah, that's the only thing. And everyone's like, yep, let's do it. And I'm, uh, come on, guys. Like, I can't play one against three other people. Right. Like, you know. So whatever. I took my loss. I was done. All right. He's not over it though. No, 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 no. You guys ganged up on me. Yeah. It's no fun. Yeah. Feel my pain. Somebody, please. Mm-hmm. Nobody feels sorry for you. Somebody does. <laughs> I just got to find that person is what I got to do. All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us. 
You're so welcome. Thank you for having me. That's our show for this week. Thanks for listening to all our shenanigans. Join us next week where we're going to have another interview. Please leave us a review and check us out on Instagram or Facebook. Uh, Send us your questions to boardgameshenanigans at gmail.com. See you next week. See you next week.